Section 10 of Northern Trails, Book 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Melissa Jean. Northern Trails, Book 2, by William J. Long. Matwalk of the Icebergs. Matwalk, the huge polar bear, drifted down from the Arctic on an iceberg and landed one spring night in the fog at Little Harbor Home on the East Newfoundland coast. It seemed at first a colossal fatality, that iceberg. The fishermen had just brought their families back from the winter lodge in the woods and had made their boats ready to go out to the hook and line grounds for a few fresh cod to keep themselves alive. Then a heavy fog shut in, and in the midst of the fog the iceberg came blundering into the tickle, as if there were no other place in a thousand leagues of sea and rock-bound coast. There were two hundred fathoms of water at the harbour mouth, and the great berg touched bottom softly, yet with a terrific impact which sent huge masses of ice crashing down on the black rocks on either side. It might stay a month, or it might drift away on the next tide. Meanwhile, the fishermen were helpless as flies in a bottle, for the iceberg corked in the harbour mouth, and not even a punt could get in or out. Old Toma came that same day from his hunting camp far away in the interior. Grown tired of eating beaver meat and smoking willow bark, he had brought some otter skins to trade for a little pork and tobacco, with a few warm stockings thrown in for good measure. But the trading schooner, for which the islanders watch in spring, as a lost man watches for morning, had not yet come, and the fishermen themselves were at the point of starvation. For a month they had tasted nothing but a little dried fish and dough balls. Hunting was out of the question, for their dogs were all dead, and their few guns were out with the young men, who before the advent of the iceberg had taken their lives in their hands and gone up the coast, sealing in a stout little schooner. So Toma, taking his otter skins, started back for his own camp. As his custom was in a strange place, Toma first climbed the highest hill in the neighborhood to get his bearings. The blundering iceberg seemed to him a grim joke, more grim than the joke on himself which had left him a forty-mile tramp without pork or tobacco or warm stockings. He was watching the berg with silent Indian intenseness when a mass of overhanging ice crashed down on the rocks. Something stirred, and a deep cave suddenly laid open. The next instant his keen eyes made out a figure of a huge white bear standing in the cave, rocking his head up and down as the smell of the village drifted out of the harbour and into his hungry nostrils. Toma came down from the hill to leave a warning at the little store. Best look out, he said. Bear over there on that ice. Big, whole big one. He come here tonight, soon's dark, see what he can find. He hungry and old cross, don't fraid nothing. Best set him trap, catch him, plenty meat. Then, because he had left his own gun behind, and could borrow none in the village, he started inland on his long tramp. Matwalk the bear landed from his iceberg as soon as it was dark, as Toma had said, and headed straight for the village. For a month he had been adrift in the open sea without food, because the seals which had first enticed him away till fifty miles of open water stretched between him and his native haunts had now returned to the coast to rear their young on the rocks and grounded ice floes. Meanwhile, the great berg to which he clung as a mariner to a floating spar drifted steadily southward over the mist-shrouded ocean with its base a thousand feet deep in a powerful current. Most of the time he had slept, going back to the old bear habit of hibernation to save his strength. But when the berg grounded and the wind from the harbor brought the smell of fish and of living animals to his nostrils, he sprang up ravenously hungry. Never having seen men, he had no fear. Straight and swift he followed his nose, ready to seize the first food, living or dead, that lay in his path. On the outskirts of the village he came upon a huge deadfall, which the men had made hurriedly at Thomas' suggestion, partly to get meat, of which they were in sore need, 
but more to protect themselves and their little ones from the savage prowler which knew no fear the bait was a lot of offal bones and fish skins tied together with codline and the fall log was the stump of a big mast waterlogged and heavy as lead which had come ashore a few years ago from a wreck and which they made heavier still by rocks lashed on with cables matlock entered the pen swiftly grabbed the bait and thud down came the weighted log on his shoulders now a black bear would have been caught across the small of his back and his spine cracked like an eggshell by the fearful blow but matlock was altogether too big and the pen altogether too small with a roar of rage he hurled the log aside smashed the pen into fragments and charged straight through the village knocking to pieces with blows of his terrible paws the pens and fish flakes that stood across his path more than one man jumped from his bed at the uproar to see the huge white brute rush past and to bless himself that he was safe within doors matlock went back to his cave in the iceberg angry and sore yet with a strange timidity at heart from this first experience in the abodes of men what the abominable thing was that had fallen on his back he had of course no idea but he had learned in a minute that he could not prowl here with the power and authority that marked him in the vast snowy solitudes where no man dwells he was licking a wound that a chain had torn in his shaggy white coat when a faint scratching and grunting amid the ceaseless roar of breakers and booming waves in the ice caverns came to his sensitive ears and made him steal out instantly to investigate down on a shelf of ice on the seaward side of the great berg two bull seals had floundered out fat and heavy with food to sleep and bask in the sun which was just then rising a glance told the bear that the big seals had chosen the spot well where no danger could approach save from the open sea out of which they had just come of the berg itself they had no fear whatever for it rose behind them a hundred feet in a sharp incline to where a score of glistening spires and minarets began on which the sea-birds were resting so they stretched their fat bulks comfortably on the narrow shelf of ice watching the open sea blinking sleepily in the sunshine slowly cautiously matlock circled the berg creeping upward along the great crevice to reach another shelf over the basking seals his great feet were padded thickly with fur which clung to the ice like wool and where the ascent was most ticklish the muscles of his forelegs contracted strongly driving his claws like steel hooks into the ice so he gained the high shelf at last and lay down with only his ears and eyes showing over the edge as he looked down hungrily at his game below him was a dizzy incline steep as a mountain top polished and glistening with the frost and storms of the centuries at the foot of which the unconscious seals were basking very deliberately matlock chose his position over the larger seal then with his hind legs he pushed himself steadily over the edge crouching low on his belly with his nose and his forepaws which were stretched straight out in front of him like a flash of light he glanced down over the slope striking the seal a terrific blow and knocking him end over end as the bear shot him into the sea there was a terrible commotion for an instant which set the sea-birds flapping and clamoring wildly then out of the turmoil matlock's head arose gripping the big seal by the neck he laid his game carefully on the ice shelf kicked himself up after it and ate it there where a moment before it had been blinking sleepily in the morning sun the presence of his favorite game in the strange land turned matlock's thoughts from the village of men into which he had blundered with the iceberg no boats came out or in to disturb him so he kept his abode in the ice cavern which was safe and warm and out of which he wandered daily up and down the rocky coast a few mother seals had their young here hidden on the great ice floes which were fast anchored to the rocks and shoals the little seals are snow-white at first for kind nature forgets none of her helpless children 
the better to hide on the white ice on which they are born only their eyes and the tips of their noses are black and at the first alarm they close their eyes and lie very still so that it is almost impossible to see them even when you stand over them they look like rough lumps of snow ice if they have time they even hide the black tips of their noses in their white fur coats and if you appear suddenly they simply close their eyes and the black nose tip looks like a stray pebble or a tiny bit of bark left by the uneasy winds that sweep over the ice floes as they grow larger and begin to fish for themselves they gradually turn dark and sleek like their mothers the better to slip unseen through the dark waters in which they hunt like all bears matwok had poor eyes and depended chiefly on his nose in scouting he would swim swiftly mile after mile along the edges of the floes raising his head to sniff every breeze trying to locate where the young seals were hiding but the little ones give out almost no scent at such times besides being invisible and matwok rarely dined on a nest of young seals the only way he could catch them was by a cunning bit of bear strategy he would swim far out from the edges of the floes and drift about among the floating ice looking himself like an ice cake or else he would crouch on an ice field and watch for hours till he saw a big seal clamber out and knew from her actions that she was feeding her young then he would head straight and swift for the spot and nose it all over till he found what he was seeking when the big bull seals came ashore to bask in the sun resting on a rock or the edge of an ice floe whence they could slip instantly into deep water matlock invented a new style of still hunting he would slip silently far down to leeward for the seal's nose is almost as keen as his own and there begin his cautious stalk upwind sinking his enormous weight deep in the water till only his nose and the top of his head appeared he would glide slowly along the edge of the floe looking exactly like a bit of loose ice drifting along the tide when near the game he would disappear entirely and like an otter not a ripple marked the spot where he went down the big seal would be blinking sleepily on the edge of the ice floe raising himself on his flippers to stretch like a wolf or turning leisurely to warm both sides at the sun when the huge head and shoulders of a bear would shoot up out of the water directly in front of him one swift crushing blow of the terrible paw and the seal would be dead without a thought of what had happened to him so matwok lived and hunted for a week growing fat and contented again then the seals vanished on one of their sudden migrations following fish no doubt and for a week more he hunted without a mouthful one night when he returned late to his cave the great iceberg had broken its anchorage and drifted well out of the tickle and from the harbour the smell of fresh fish drifted into his hungry nostrils for the day had been sunny and calm and the starving fishermen had slipped out to the hook and line grounds and brought back exultingly the first cod of the season again matwok came ashore tired as he was after an all-day's swim and headed straight for the good smell in the village the big deadfall was set in his path baited with fresh offal and the log was weighted twice as heavily as before but the bear had learned cunning and entered the trap from the rear tearing the heavy pen to pieces as if it were made of straws the fall came down again with thud that made the ground shiver but it fell harmlessly on the bed log and matwok ate the bait greedily to the last scrap then he entered the village rummaging the wharves and sheds boldly and leaving his great footprints at every door when he had eaten everything in sight he headed down the long arm of the harbour drawn still by the smell of fish that floated up in the night air Later that night, old Toma appeared with his otter skins and a haunch of caribou at Daddy Crummit's cabin, on the edge of the woods far down at the bottom of Long Arm. All winter, Daddy Crummit had been sick, chiefly from rheumatism and lack of food, and Toma, taking pity on the lonely old man, blundered around in the dark to find wood to make a stew of the savory meat 
which he had brought with him all the way from his camp in the interior at twilight a fisherman kind-hearted and generous as they all are had come to leave a couple of fresh cod and hurry away again on his long weary pull up the arm daddy meant to cook the fish but he was too weak when the time came and left them in a barrel in his little shed then came tomo with his stew and the old man ate and felt better it was midnight when they had smoked a pipe of tomo's dried willow bark and traded the scant news from the two ends of the wilderness and turned in to sleep a terrible racket in the shed roused them whack bang thump something was out there knocking everything to pieces daddy under the bedclothes began to shiver and wail that the devil himself had come to fetch him toma tumbled out of his caribou skins and jumped up like a jack-in-a-box just as a barrel was flung against the door with a crash that made it shiver in the appalling silence that followed they heard the pchap pchap of some huge beast crunching the codfish between his jaws toma had brought his gun this time he grabbed it from behind the stove pulled the big hammer back and felt with his fingers to be sure that the cap was ready on the nipple he stole to the door and opened it cautiously pushing the gun barrel out ahead of him a huge white beast turned swiftly as the door squeaked toma making out what seemed to him a great head in the darkness poked the muzzle of the gun into it and pulled the trigger there was a deafening roar the door was slammed back in the face of the old indian with a force that sent him sprawling on his back daddy with a last terrible groan lay still as if it were all over when toma scrambled to his feet his ears ringing his nose filled with pungent powder smoke there lay matwok at the end of his long trail he was lying as if asleep his great paws outspread across the threshold his head resting heavily between them the tail of the last codfish stuck out of the corner of his mouth and his lips were parted in a ferocious grin as if to the end it were all a huge joke Pikosh said toma rubbing his scalp and looking down in a puzzled way at the great beast why i go logum dat caribou forty mile huh plenty me here all plenty he added as he dragged the great head aside and shut the door and rolled up in his caribou skins for another nap End of section 10